Starting, scaling, and exiting a business is hard. So why do some companies achieve seven, eight, and nine-figure exits while others struggle to To answer these questions, we sit down with top entrepreneurs who have exited for more than $10 million or currently run $10 million-plus businesses and grill them until they share their proven tactics and strategies. Welcome to Beyond Eight Figures. And she's, can you powder up? Ship? Hello, Bonnie. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, my, na my name is Nyasha Gotizo, and my company is Banya. Okay. Thank you for the correction. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and how you started? Well, first, before, before we get started, let's, Steve likes to start out with, um, since this show is beyond eight figures, just right out of the gate, just so we know how you um, fit the criteria. You have some uh, business we're going to learn more about here in a second. But do you currently run a business that's $10 million plus, or did you exit a business? No, I haven't exited yet. It's a $10 million um, plus uh, in turnover, annual turnover. Wow. Do you have a projection of time when you might want to exit? Oh, it's something I'm thinking about. I've been doing this for quite a long time. Uh, uh, 21 years I've been running this current business. And, um, um, yes, it's always succession planning is always on the mind. Um, um, but uh, at the moment, I am still running it. So why don't you give us a little bit of a uh, little bit of a backstory of exactly what it is you do and how you got to this point? Oh, I... Started, um, a long time ago, 32 years ago, I used to run a children's home, a therapeutic children's home. It was the first one um, to be set up by someone independent of the local authority and charities in the UK, in London. And uh, from there onwards, I uh, found out that the children, when they are being looked after from a therapeutic point of view, um, their behavior changed. And I just asked my um, staff members that, would you look after these children in your own house? And they said, yes. And uh, that was the beginning, because after they'd been with us for a few years and had therapy, I thought they had, every child have got a right to live in a home, not in a, in a children's home. We were very small, with six children only at the time. And um, I thought they should go back and live in, and, and the local authorities said, oh, they don't know, have any families who would like to look after children with such um, backgrounds. So my first foster care was, was, um, was my, first, my, 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 my members of staff. And um, it started on my kitchen table in my house in South London. And now it's a huge national um, agency with uh, all over England. And um, uh, we now look after more than, uh, we now have more than 300 families. Um, we're looking after, you know, at any given year, more than 300 children. And uh, it has really just developed. And then our children became adults. And uh, recently we've been registered as an um, adult placement agency. So what exactly... You don't, you don't normally see these two models together. I'm, you know, after, after all these shows, we haven't really heard anyone saying, 
we're doing something helping like foster children or something like that. And also in the same conversation saying their business is making $10 million plus, like there's, there's something in- interesting here. Like I, I, I want to figure out, cause if we could have more people doing wonderful things like you're doing and still make a lot of money, like this would be amazing. Right. Yeah, it's sort of like a kept secret, really, isn't it? So what's um, what's the model? How are you monetizing my, since this is a business my, show, right? Yes, my my um, uh, passion and my uh, interest is um, I see myself as a social entrepreneur. I look at a, a problem in the society, and I go there my solution is no longer about charity. I'm moving away from the charity model because it creates dependency. So I'm going to go into a, into a, into a situation and say, what can I do to add value to have a social impact? I'm solving a problem, and and I'm I'm going to run it as a business, mainstream company, registered as a, as a limited company, and I'm going to make my impact is to help solve the problem and um then from there i can the more money i make the more children i can help the more impact i can make in the whole world and there's been a real debate over the years uh, of this issue about uh, people having this issue about making money versus charitable status and uh, most of the time, people, when I say to them, I run a social enterprise, they say, oh, it's a charity. And I say, I'm not a charity. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I solve a social problem through enterprise. So, so is it a sponsorship model or how exactly, how exactly do you well, bring it's money? Really, it's a mainstream business. I provide a service and I get paid for it. So who's paying you? Local government. Government. Okay, so that's uh, that's well, the piece I, we were missing. I, I provide a service. I, I, I recruit a carer like yourself. I say, would you like to be a foster carer for my agency? You say, yes, I would like to become a foster carer. So I train you, I support you, and you become my foster carer, and I continue to support you with my group of social workers. And I would then, uh, a local authority will phone me up and say, I've got a child at the police station, um, do you have a family on your books who can look after my our child? I said, yes, with pleasure. I have got this uh, care fund of whatever. She lives in the same area or she can take your child to school and she can look after them. And I am really, the, I'm an agency, so I'm the middle man. My responsibility is to you, the carer, and the local authority remains with their legal responsibility to the child. It's their child, not my child. Hmm. And wow. I look after the child. I make sure that the child is looked after, they're protected according to whatever the plan and the care social service might say. We want the child to be there for one day, for an afternoon, or for 18 years until they leave care. Wow. So you got – that's a nice little model there. You get to do good. You're a connector. It sounds like what you really want to do is just move the whole project forward, whatever, whatever – social project you're working on at the time Uh, this Mm -hmm. just happens to be foster care and more importantly you got a government check so that thing's going to cash for sure (laughs) right you know you know everyone else you don't know for sure but that that one's uh, our customers is the children and the government 
and the, the government uh, needs to place these children and we um, we yes that's that's what happens and we provide a service and uh, we charge for it okay so let me ask this real fast the government do they look at you like you're a rock star because you're solving a, a problem in a really solid way versus well, of course they do yeah they do appreciate it they really do because uh, sometimes they're really stuck and so do you believe that the foster care providers that you place the children with are of a higher caliber of integrity and love for the kids? Yes, definitely. Wow. That's part, that, that is part of our assessment. Uh, they wouldn't do it. And where some people have had, uh, you know, sometimes because we, we pay them an allowance for them to look after, because it shouldn't cost you money to look after a child. Um, um, the... Um, if the motivation is money, it will, it, uh, it will soon come out because I have got the belief that what the carers are doing is priceless. You can't put a figure to it because they're looking after these children. They're not theirs 24 hours. So if the motivation is wrong, it will soon wash itself. It will soon rear its head up yeah. and they'll rule, they'll rule themselves out. So what what brought you into this in the first place? I got um, um, what what I really do believe in. My mother, poor, my mother died recently. She said, "I'm not really surprised that I do this because I've always always liked children, uh, and I grew up in Zimbabwe. My first memory of I have of myself is when I was four years old carrying a baby on my back." And it's, it's continued me throughout my life. I left Zimbabwe when I was 12, and I came to UK to go to university. And I was going to become this academic, and I was studying chemistry and math. I left it all because um, my tutor actually said, Nyasha, you light up when you talk about children. And why don't you train to become a social worker or a child psychotherapist? And I think, and I was doing a PhD in chemistry, and I could have taken offense really thinking, well, you know, why would someone suggest such a thing? But he, he sort of really touched a raw nerve, and I just ran with it. And I, he gave me some flyers of some professors he knew, and I've never looked back. Well, never looked back. I trained as a child psychotherapist. I trained as a, as a social worker. So trained as a social worker, you you liked sciences early on. Yes, and, <laughs> yes. And, and so what? I was just good at it. Did, was this more of a nobody else is doing this, so I'm going to do this, and I don't. Or they, she does, it, she can do it better than the government. You know what? what yeah, at I, that time, the government was changing the policy. They were saying that children shouldn't live in. And at that time, children were living about hundred groups of hundred kids. And that they were saying it was becoming clear that they were getting institutionalized. They thought the government changed their policy that children should live in smaller homes. And that was the beginning of my, 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 my journey. That's when I had this six-bedded unit. And then from there, the government changed even, even their policy even more, saying that children should live in families. And it was something which I believed myself. I had seen through the work I was doing that ch- these children, once they've had therapy, and they they settled in their emotional and behavior difficulties, they should live in families. So the model here in America that I'm aware of is that sometimes kids get put into a foster family that is not a good situation. No, that's definitely, that is true. 
That is true. It's not a good, what, what, what I call it, it's not a good match. So do, do you mostly focus on training the parents? I'm, I'm, first off, no matter what, I love what you're doing, right? We've, yes. you know, we love all this kind of stuff where people are trying to give back and help. But it's just my brain trying to wrap around how this is a business that could still make that much money. It's just, it, it's actually, so it's, it's, it's inspiring it's because I think I mean, it wouldn't it be amazing. It is a huge business. Um, um, uh, my agent is one of the biggest agents in the UK. And it was the first one in London. My therapeutic unit was the first one ever done by an independent person besides a local government or um, a charity in England. And um, it was, as I said, it was the first one in, in London. And But now it's multiplied. There's lots of other people doing this. Um, but um, the, the main thing I myself differentiate myself from other people is that this whole issue is about social enterprise. It's trying to solve a social problem. It's not just about beds on bums or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what what motivated me to do it? So and and it's interesting because that's kind of the little crossroads. I'll just use that word where I'm where I'm at because I hear you saying social enterprise, but at the same time, just it. I'm trying to figure out how that turns to ten million dollars plus a year, right? So, oh, right, and, and so is that like of the, so of the need? So from just a bi- how, how does uh, Apple uh, have a billion dollar company or Facebook, whatever? Is because of the demand. Well, that's really sad in one way because if you can make ten million, and does that mean how many children does that equal? Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going. Is it is it some oh, sort of model a, like it's a, it's a, it's about three hundred uh, children per year. That's the uh, and over the years, I've touched thousands and thousands of people's lives, children's lives. So this, this is where Steve would want to know how those numbers work. Well, well, and that's kind of what I'm getting. If it was 300 kids a year, and I'm, these are loose numbers, right? This isn't like an attack. It's just trying to figure it out because I think it'd be fantastic if people could do good things and make good money. So if you're saying 300 kids a year and you're doing 10 million, that that's at least. 33,000 something, 33,333, I guess it would be, um, per child. Per year, yes. Yeah. That's, 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 yes. So that's about that's, what the government... Quite, yes, that's what they, they pay. And if a child is to go to a children's home, it's um, three times as much ah. per year. Wow. So we're saving the government money. Wow. This so... is a cheap option. If it's thirty three thousand roughly for a year for one child, you pass that through to the foster parents, or you? Yes, uh, yes. What what happens? Our model is sixty sixty forty. Okay. So whatever we get from the government, sixty uh, percent of it goes to our care, or forty percent is for us. That's our admin, and our profits from there. So basically, in that. They would get whatever, roughly twenty thousand ish. That's right. And then you yes. get you get the other thirteen, whatever thousand or something. That's right. Oh, that's, that's how the, the figures work. Yeah, I'm very clear of the figures. Yeah, that's and, good. Um, and as I said, in terms of a government uh, and a local authority, that's it. we are the cheaper option because if they were to place that same child 
into a children's home is three times. The reason why I know is because I used to run a children's home. So what helped you? So I know what their fees, what their fees were, and what they still are. How long did it take you to go from? Well, let's say first, when did you hit your first million? How long did it take? Mm, I'll say in the first year in the... of me opening up, which was twenty-one years ago. And so your competitors figured out your model. Did you? Do you have competitors? In a way, yes, definitely. There's more in London. There's more other agencies which have set up since I've set up. As I said, we were the first agents in London, it's, and there was uh, there was all together nationally. There was something eleven eleven agencies in the whole of England, and um, I spoke to one of them who was setting up, and now they they they, they you know they they were supportive of me, but, but they were not in London. They mentored me. Uh, uh, the first few months, they've just you know, I just asked them questions about how they did it, and um, yeah, there is other agency, and they've got different models, but it's very similar. Got it. In so, terms of the so, fees structure, the, the how much they charge the local authority, mm-hmm. how much they pay the carers, it's not very much different from ours. So, is your program is what makes you stand out? I'm hearing between the lines and a couple of things you said earlier on how you train. The families is that one of yes, the... yes. I'm still very much involved in helping the uh, children and the families um, um, run our, our agency. Our ultimate aim is to become a therapeutic agency, like we were therapeutic home. That and that's to do with my personal experience of being a that I qualified as a therapist before mm-hmm. I became a social worker. Got it. So it's starting to make sense to me now. You, yeah. you, your model is you're getting paid from the government. You're getting the guaranteed check from the government. There's other businesses that are doing something similar. But one of the things that makes yours unique, besides obviously you, um, is that you're trying to make this be a solving of a bigger social enterprise and and m- telling, a, let's just say, a bigger story about it and training your people better, which is going to keep them in your ecosystem, right? Well, why would they want to go use these other programs yes. or competitors? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you're training them more and um, if... Developing them as... I see them as very much as professional people, professional part of the team, developing their careers as um, carers, uh, looking after these very damaged children in their homes. What's the average... Uh, length of time that a caregiver is 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 a caregiver. Like I don't I don't know the exact terminology, but it's um yeah. There's uh, there's no, we don't have we don't discriminate someone according to age. Is that they're medically fit to foster? That's the terminology. So someone could be seventy, and as long as the doctors keep on saying that they're medically fit to foster, they will continue to foster. We can't discriminate them according to their age. Oh no! I meant. I'm sorry. I meant um, the kids. How long oh. do do when once someone becomes a foster? I'm trying to think of a lifetime value of one of these people, right? Because the you, oh, you, you, I mean, I've got for, you know my uh, funny enough, my my very four original foster care. I started with 22 years ago. They're still fostering, and one of them who's no longer fostered fostering is actually died. Wow! For how many she years? Had, 22 years. Wow. That's still my foster carers. That's a labor of love on some level. 
Yes. Because you really have to care for the child. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get a, a check, but we all know that's there's still a lot more expenses than the, the 20 grand they're getting, right? No. When you think of the, the cost yes, of the home and clothes and food. They're, yes, they're still doing yes. it out of love. Like, this is... Yeah, it's, it's all about love, really, and a purpose and what motivates them, wanting to make a difference with a child's life. It's what, it's what keeps them going. So when the kids become adults, do they ever come back around to you or to their foster kids? Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, our foster carers, they, uh, Christmas coming up now, they still, um, they'll be cooking Christmas dinner for 30 people, the children they've looked after. It was interesting you asked that question, Mary. And that's, one, that's the only place they still have a point of reference. That's the only place they will have Christmas dinner. Nice. Yeah, because I literally was going to ask, and it's like a perfect lead from Mary. Um, you're you're coming up on you've been doing this for long enough that I could see the potentiality of some of the kids that grew up under some of the foster parents could themselves eventually become foster parents, right? Do you? Oh, have- yes, yes, yes. One of my my first, my very first uh, foster carer, the one who used to work in my children's home, she was fostered and she had a very good experience of being fostered by local authority. And her, funny enough, she was actually an orphan. Her parents actually died. <laughs> Such things don't exist, really. But uh, she was there was two of them, and uh, um, she grew up in care, very near to where she lives now, and she had very very good foster care. And uh, she's always, so when I say to you in a staff meeting, would any of you take any of these children home and live with them and foster them? She was the first one and she's still my foster care. She was fostered. So what's your, what's your primary growth, you know, mechanism? Because again, this is fascinating to me because it's in such a different genre than we're used to discussing right usually there it's consumer and selling things and this is this is this is selling something but it's selling a a social cause and Mm -hmm. and again it's nice you get a guaranteed government check that's nice but how do you how do you acquire a customer for instance like do you oh it's um, the most powerful i was just talking about it earlier today for me and my business, I, I'll tell you, I've been running my business for the last 22 years. And only four years ago, I had a website. The most powerful way of promoting and acquiring whatever is my carers, word of mouth. Mm. They'll tell their friend, they'll tell their sister, they'll tell their whoever who listen about it, a school gate, they'll tell about. And, you know, people just asking, who's this child? Or today, you got it. <laughs> you know, how come you've got this child who looks different to you? And You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. The good old-fashioned um, way. Just, <laughs> talking to people. The good old-fashioned way, talking to people. And it's just incredible. And by the time someone, you know, the, the neighbor has asked for, oh, and I do this. Oh, how did you do that? They ask all the old questions. They might be too embarrassed to ask us. Mm-hmm. By the time they call, make the call to us, they're, they're very, very, what I call very warm lead. And 99% they become a foster carer. So do you have any kind of program where you get all of the foster care people together as kind of a 
love fest of motivation or inspiration or support so they can all communicate? Yeah, with we have monthly training, monthly support groups. All the carers come together. That's that's what we that's what we've got to continue to continue train, develop. You know, policy changes, procedures changes, safeguarding is always a big one on the topic. So every month we meet, our carers come together mm. and they support each other. They, uh, they, they get training. And uh, then we have, you know, Easter, uh, we have events with the kids. The kids uh, uh, come, they come. Uh, you know, the festival, Christmas, we're going to have a, a, a kids' um what you call it event and the carers who have their own separate from the um from the kids and uh, um but they bring the kids to the christmas uh, party or festival party season of um things we um and during the half terms we always do we always have activity and during the summer we have a day out fun day to the beach and uh, different trips um we always try to keep our children and our carers um, get together and talk to each other. So you've been, so you said 22 years or how many? I know you've been doing it 30. 22, yeah. Total, you said, but 22 specifically with this. Um, So you said about a year till you made your first, the first million. Um, Mm -hmm. Where would you say you're at now as far as above eight figures these days? I think that's been the last two two years. Two it's years? been above eight years, and it's going up. And uh, but it's um, the most um, the whole growth of this um, agency is based on the carers. So uh, the more carers you recruit, the more you grow because the more children you can place. So the stumbling block and the um, bottleneck I call it the bottleneck is the carers because um it's uh, it's um it's a labor of love and there's so much miscommunicate mis- misunderstandings about how you become a foster carer and some people exclude themselves without even asking they're mm-hmm. so uh, scared of the children's behavior or i don't want to be in the arena of the public social i don't want social workers to come into my house and uh, so there's not as many. There's a national shortage in UK of 20,000 carers. National shortage. Wow. And uh, and I think it's a global problem. Uh, I've been to so many countries. I've been to uh, a lot of international fostering uh, conferences because this is my life. And uh, I belong to a lot of organizations which do uh, fostering. I've been to Canada. They did the. Uh, they do the, this. I belong to something called International Fostering Organization, and every year they go to a different country. And I came to one in Canada, and there was everyone from around the world. And uh, this is the every everyone I've ever spoken to. It doesn't matter whether they're in Canada or USA or Japan or whatever. That the, the main difficulties of why they don't grow or or the local authority chooses to use us uh, is because they f- they find it very difficult to find families to come forward. So is that what your focus is now? Because if you figure, so I'll, I'll kind of give you a two-part question here. If it took you a year to get your first million and then you've been doing it for 22 and you said about two years ago when you got to the eight figures, so mm-hmm. it's basically saying 
20 more years to get to 10, which, again, congratulations. Barely anyone mm-hmm. ever does it anyway. But yeah. you know, 20 years. And you're saying that getting new um, caregivers, we'll just call them, is the bottleneck. And you say there's a shortage of them. What? So here's now here's the two-part question. What did you do? Finally, was there something you did in the last few years to 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 crack that code to be able to get more caregivers in there, or was that just a slow growth process? That's the first part so of the question. One of one of the things was that we won tenders outside of. Uh, well, that's another thing I forgot to tell you that um, uh, when we started, there was no tendering; it was just spot purchasing. But now the government have created tender process that you've got to tender for you to be on there least for them to give you the children. And then we just um, organically, some of our carers moved out of London. So we thought, what are we going to do? We can't have one carer. We can't have a training group of one person. So we then um, recruited carers near wherever the carer moved to. And that has really been, um, that's how we expanded. That's why we are now covering the whole of England. And by that, we, we had new fresh, you know, sort of like fresh blood, really. So, so we were able to uh, recruit it because we we were always been in London because that's that's where we were. Well, and uh, then a carer moved out and then we, we expanded there. Then we expanded out of London. And I think it's expanding out of London, actually, which made us grow. Yeah. And, uh, and um, but... I don't really think that I've cracked it. I just feel, I still feel that it's just a drop in, the, my agency is just a, a drop in the ocean because we still got 20,000 carers needed. Oh, my gosh. So, well, you know, I love your entrepreneurialism around this and that you proudly say I'm doing good work and this service is helping out the children and the government. So, yes. wow, genius on you, lady. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas to you and all your cares and the children. Where should people go to learn more about what you're doing? Oh, my website, uh, banya.co.uk. B-A-N-Y-A.co.uk. You've been listening to Beyond Eight Figures. Share your thoughts on today's episode and what you'll apply to your business by emailing us at feedback at beyondeightfigures.com. And if you haven't already done so, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment now to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep scaling.